You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so this year, our theme this year has been reclaim. We've been talking about reclaim. We've reclaim and reclaim and reclaim. And I had a sermon a couple weeks ago and and I, I was asking some of the staff, I said, do you think we've used the word reclaim too much? Should we, should we use a different word? But it, it's, it's our theme this year. It's reclaiming. And, and you know, uh, I, I think we all still kind of point back to, to COVID. And I guess we will, maybe for, maybe, maybe for the whole generation, we'll point back to all the stuff that we lost during COVID. But it's time to reclaim all that. And so, but this, this morning, I am going to use a little different word than reclaim. Today, I really want to talk to you about the word redeem. Okay, redeem or redemption. Now that sounds like a good old old fashioned Sunday school word, doesn't it? Redemption. You know, but what what does that mean? Your redemption. Now, well, it means about the same thing as reclaim. And I ran across this. Um, uh, this is from the um, from an online dictionary from uh, Miriam Webster's the online dictionary. And and I thought as I read through this, I thought, man, this is a sermon right here. You know, this is a, this is not a a religious writing here, but man, this this is a sermon. And, uh, and it lists all these different words that, that we use in church. We use them in church services. We use them in our literature for, uh, for kids' classes and, and uh, grow groups and all those things. I mean, I mean, these are the words we use, and it was really cool. I wonder, who, who put this together, you know, in, in this, uh, the online dictionary of Merriam-Webster? It says, reclaim. That word suggests a bringing back to a former state of con- or condition of someone or something abandoned or debased. That they were here and, you, and it sunk down in some way and it was brought back, reclaimed. So that's what we've been talking a lot about this year. But redeem implies releasing from captivity or releasing from the penalties by giving what is demanded or necessary or often buying back or paying off a lien. How you can redeem property, redeem something that was lost. Uh, or rescue implies freeing from imminent danger by prompt or vigorous action. We know what rescue means, right? I mean, we hear that a lot. We, we understand rescue. But it, it fits right there with the rest of these. Or deliver implies release, usually of a person from confinement, temptation, slavery, or suffering. So deliver. And that's a, that's a word you hear a lot around churches also, deliverance. So deliverance ministry. You know, we need to pray for someone to be delivered. And then ransom, specific. We know what that is, right? Kidnapping kind of stuff, right? Specifically applies to buying out of captivity. And then it, this is how this wrapped up. It said, save may replace any of the foregoing terms. So what does salvation mean? You know, people say, what does salvation mean? It means all that. It means every bit. It means when you get saved, you get all that. You get reclaimed, redeemed, rescued, delivered. You get ransomed out of wherever you've been. That's what, that's what it means to be saved. So the next time somebody's asking, you say, well, I don't really know what it means. It, it means all of that. Man, what a sermon right there. Merriam-Webster just preached to us. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a sermon right there. There it is. It's all right there. In our salvation in Jesus Christ, we have all of these things. But today I want to talk to you about one of them, redeem. I want to talk to you really about redemption. You just kind of keep that thought in your head for just a moment, okay? Now, this is Easter weekend, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, we call it Holy Week. What's Holy Week? Well, it was the last week before Jesus' death, you know, and, and things have changed. You know, we talked, to, we talked last week, you know, Palm Sunday, we talked about that and how Jesus kind of changed things as well. He had been telling people, don't tell others who I am. I, he healed somebody. He said, now, don't go tell people I did this. 
But now all of a sudden, last week on Palm Sunday, he gets on the donkey and he's riding through, you know, and he's just sitting up there letting everybody praise and worship him. Pharisees are saying, tell all these people to be quiet. Jesus said, if they're quiet, the rocks will stand up and they'll start worshiping me. And now things have changed all of a sudden. All of this has changed. It's, it's, it's become different today. So this, this is what this Holy Week is all about. It, and, you know, and Thursday night was the night that, that Jesus, uh, he, he, kinda, he, he took their old Passover and he kind of flipped it on them. And he made it become what you and I talk, call communion, the Lord's Supper, those kinds of things, those, those terms that we use for it today. Because it's now about Jesus. And it's about that sacrificial lamb way back in the book of Exodus. It's about our sacrificial lamb. And so all of that's changed. So th- then we have Friday when Jesus was standing before Pilate and then before Herod and then back before Pilate. And the crowds were outside yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And he was turned over and he, w- he was beaten. He was kept up all night, Thursday night, and he was beaten. That next, throughout the, throughout the, time, uh, the time he was beaten. And uh, then he was hung on the cross after he carried his own cross up the hill. And he died about 2, 2.15, 2.30, sometime in the afternoon, he said, it is finished. Sometime that 2 to 3 o'clock hour, he, he, uh, he actually lost his, his physical life here. And he was buried that afternoon. They, they, they hurried and buried him before the Passover started at sundown on Friday evening. They hurried and buried him. And the next day, it's like, it's like you know, uh, some people called it a day of rest. And I think the disciples didn't rest because they thought they were next. They thought people were coming after them. So all this was happening. And so then, then Easter Sunday morning, what happens? Well, Jesus gets up out of the grave, out of the tomb. You know, there, there, there's all this that's going on, right? Okay, that, that was a synopsis of, of, uh, of Holy Week. All this going on, okay? But there are, two, there are two events that we preach about every week, every, every Easter, it seems like. Two events. And it's, it's the event that happened there at the cross and then the one that happened there at the tomb. And that's, let's start right there, okay? Because first of all, the cross. Now, the cross, it, it, it kind of points back and speaks of our past. You know what I'm, t- you know what I'm saying? When we look at the cross, we're thinking about our sin because that's why Jesus came to die on the cross. The cross speaks of our sin. Now, let me ask you this question. If Jesus right now said, hey, I'm selling tickets, or if he let me sell tickets this morning, I'm selling tickets for a do-over. You can get in a time machine, and you can go back, and you can do something over in your life. You know, if Jesus were to say, I'm selling tickets, you can, get, you can have a do-over on something that you did in your past, how many of you would buy a ticket today? No, no, let me ask you this. How many tickets would you buy today? How many do-overs would you want from your past life? But you know what? Here's, Jesus doesn't do do-overs. I mean, we don't get that. We'd love to have a do-over, right? Wouldn't you like to go back and fix something, you know, because, you know, that kid that you raised that you just can't hardly stand, you know, now that they're a teenager or an adult or whatever, it's your fault. You're the one that raised them. And wouldn't you like to go back and fix something that you did way back, all right? You know, that, one of those kinds of things or one of those horrible things. You know, the things that you think about every once in a while and you just, oh, you just went, I can't believe I did that. So it was 30 years ago, you know, and I'm still like, I've got those things. Think about some of them, you know, it seems like every week, you know, just remind me, oh, how stupid you could have been, you know. Back when I heard somebody say just this past week, they said, hey, I'm 24 years old. I know everything. Yeah. Uh, Ask me later. I'll tell you who said that, right? Uh, You you know, and they were joking, but that's the way we are a lot of times in our life. I thought that when I was 18. I thought that when I was 24. I thought that when I was 30. I remember when I was about 40 years old. I knew everything then, too, you know? And I'm, you know, I'm an older man. Guess what? I realize I don't know everything. But, you know, if I could buy some do overs, I'd buy some today, right? 
and we go back. But Jesus doesn't do do-overs. He doesn't change our past. He redeems our past. He takes all of that mess and all of the, all of the struggles and all the pain and all the suffering and, and the scars that we have inside, and he redeems it. What's our scripture right here? Uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Our sin didn't disappear. It died. He killed it so that he could redeem it because all of those things, I mean, I mean think about it. If we did everything over, you know, when we were able to fix all that, we wouldn't really appreciate We'd forget that we bought that ticket, you know. I, don't, I, I love, you know, science fiction kind of that, you know, travel back in time kind of stuff and all those par paradoxes, you know, that get opened up when you do that. I mean, if, if we went back and really changed it, would we even remember that Jesus did anything for us. And so that's, that's what we, we remember our mistakes. We remember the, the, the things that we've done and the, the way we've been hurt and we, all those things we remember. But Jesus redeems that. And so now when we look back to our past, we don't look back to our past. We don't have to look back to our past. You might still do it. But you don't have to look back to your past and see, and, and see judgment or condemnation. John chapter 3, verse 16, you've heard of that one, right? People, most people can quote that one if you live in the United States of America. But verse 17 says, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when you look back at your past, once you become a Christian, that past that is redeemed, you don't have to look back in judgment or in condemnation, but you can look back in forgiveness. You can look back in grace. That's what he's done to your past, but it's not just the cross. The other, the other uh, venue, the other place, the other thing that we preach about, and it's really what Easter really is all about, is that tomb. That thing that happened at the tomb. You know the tomb? Now, just like the cross speaks of our past, the tomb speaks to our future. It's, okay, that, that sound good or sound bad? Because when you think about it, every single person that has ever lived, right, has had to walk into the tomb, you know, be carried into the tomb, be laid in the grave. All of us have to do that. We all, every for, for thousands of years, every person that has died, you know, unless they were burned or lost at sea or something like that, I mean, everybody had to go in. Even then, you say proverbially, they went to the tomb. They went to the tomb. That's what waits, awaits us. I mean, as you, as you get older, you know, and you start, you know, start looking, looking further ahead, you kind of start seeing that. I mean, you know, back when you're 24 years old and know everything, you know, you don't, you don't think about that. You don't think about that, that tomb laying out the bed. It, it, just, it just sits out there in our future just kind of mocking us a little bit. Everything you think you can do, <laughs> the tomb says, I'm waiting on you. It's there. I, I'm waiting. You know, you're, this is no matter all the stuff you do, everything that you think you're going to be remembered for, this is what's really waiting on you out there. But you know what? Jesus went through that same door. He walked through that door. And you know what? He didn't do away with that door. He just changed it so now it opens both ways. And so every one of us, we're going to face that tomb one day and see that, that entry sign, right, where we go in. But if, you, but if you turn around and look on your way in, you'll see that now it also says exit because Jesus put an exit door on the tomb. That's what he did. Is he, did he didn't take the tomb away. I mean, we, that's what we would like, right? We want to live forever. We don't want to die. We don't want to go to the grave. But Jesus didn't take that away from us. What he did was he fixed it so we can go in, but we're coming right back out. 
in, with him. And here's our scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. That's what he has done for all of us. And so now, the tomb, it does speak to our future, but it doesn't speak to our future as being in the grave for eternity. It speaks to our future that we have been delivered from that. And, and, and the tomb now is just the doorway into eternity with him because of what he has given to us. Okay, so that's the teaching part of this, okay? So now I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a redemption story. I wanted to set all this up just a little bit, make sure we're all on the same page. We all kind of get it a little bit, talking about reclaim, redeem, you know, all those other words and all that, and then talk about these two events, you know, at the cross where our, our past is, is redeemed and now our future has been redeemed. Let me tell you a redemption story. It's been a while since I've really woven a story for you in a sermon. I wanted to do that. I just felt like Easter would be a good time to do this. And this was something that I'd shared a long time ago, but it was a little bit short story. Well, I've, I've fleshed it out a little bit more for you today, okay? It's not a true story, all right? It's not a true story, but it's just, and I fleshed it out because I, I want to go a little deeper with it. I want you to see some parallels in this, okay? There's a little boy and his dad. They, uh, they go to the park a lot, and uh, at this particular park, there's a big pond, and uh, some of the older boys, you know, they've got, they've got sailboats, nice sailboats, you know, not motorized, you know, no, not those kinds of things, but just nice sailboats with a string. And they hold the string and they sail it out there, whichever way the wind blows it. And if, you know, they can pull it back in and start over if they need to and all that. And so one day they're looking at those and that little boy, you know, all these older boys have the boats. And this little boy looks up at his dad and says, Dad, I want a boat like that. His dad said, okay. But he doesn't take him to Lowe's. Home Depot. They don't go buy a kit. They don't go to the hobby store. They go back home because this man, he's a woodworker. He loves working with wood. And so they go back, they go down into the basement because in the basement he's got all the equipment. He's got all of the wood that he needs. And so they begin. And they spend hours, days after day after day, they spend hours cutting and sanding and crafting and, and um, you know, polishing, you know, and, and varnishing and and all of the things, putting, putting everything together, cutting a, cutting a mast out and, and, and a sail to put on that mast. And they spend all this time and day after day after day until finally late one Friday night, they step back and they look just a little bit and they declare it finished and they say, that's good. That's good. They give each other a high five and they're excited. They go to bed and the next morning being Saturday morning. Dad likes to sleep late, but oh no, not that little boy. He's up early because he's dressed. He's ready to go. Got his shoes on. He's ready to go to the park and put that boat in the pond. And when the dad gets up, his his son is sitting there in the chair with the you know with the sailboat in his in his lap. You know, just waiting. So, Dad, you ready to go? You ready to go? You know. And he said, "Let me grab something." He grabs something to eat and eating, going out the door. And they live close enough to the park. They just walk. And so they walk down. They get there. They put the boat in the water, and the boat begins to sail. And they just stand back, and they're just so excited. Again, they give each other a high five. What a beautiful, awesome thing we have created. And look, now it's doing what we created it to do. Hey, it didn't sink. It didn't fall over. It didn't get lost. We got, the, we got the string tied to it and all this. It's doing exactly what it was created to do. And this became their kind of a almost a daily ritual. If the weather was permitting, they would walk down to the park just about every day and sell the boat. One day, it was really windy. And as the boat kind of went out, the wind was pulling and pushing against that string, and the little boy, he kept pulling it back in, he'd try again, but what he didn't realize is every time the wind was really pushing against it, the knot on the boat was coming untied just a little bit, until finally it completely slipped away, and the boat was now free from any outside influence, 
and it was just floating in the current and in the wind. Now the little boy begins to cry, and dad's hugging on him, and they're watching the boat as it goes further and further, deeper and deeper, getting close to the spillway. Oh, my goodness. They hurry around to the, to the spillway, where the dam is, and the spillway, and, and thinking, well, maybe, maybe you'll get close enough to the edge, and we can reach out and grab it or step down just a little bit in the water, and we can get to it. But the current is so strong that the boat goes over the spillway down to the creek, and, and the current is so strong it just immediately almost is lost under the overhanging branches of the trees and the bushes that line the side of the creek. The boat's gone. The sailboat is lost. The little boy's crying. The dad is like, I want to build another one, but the little boy wants that one back. They go home for the next few weeks. You know, they, they think a lot about the boat. Sometimes the little boy will crawl up in his dad's lap and say, show me another picture, Dad. Or let's, let's watch a video of me selling my boat, one that you took on your phone, and they will look at him and they would just enjoy that. But it was a bittersweet time, all those times crawling up and mem remembering that. And then one afternoon, the loud knock on the door, and the little boy goes to the door, and one of his schoolmates is there at the door, a little girl. They know She's talking a mile a minute like most little girls do, right? And she's talking a mile a minute, and, and, and he said, what, what, what? I don't understand. He has to get her to slow down a little bit. She said, I saw your boat. You know, that boat I saw you, you selling that you lost? At the, I saw it. It's at the secondhand store. Somebody must have found it in the river down below, and they brought it up and sold it to the man that owns the secondhand store. And it's there, and it's got a price tag on it. And she told him the price. And he didn't say, well, that was too much. <laughs> he turned around, ran back to his room, and he reached up on the shelf, and he got that piggy bank, you know, that high shelf that would keep it out of reach. But he was able to get up there and get it. He brought it down. He took one of those trophies that he had won and uh He'd, he'd gotten from Youth Little League, you know, and, and he turned it upside down like a hammer, and he used that, that, that marble base that was on it, and he just busted that piggy bank into the proverbial million pieces, right? Broke it into a million pieces. We always say, wasn't really a million, but it looks like it is. And he started digging those coins out, quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies and, and stacking them up. And he thought, oh, wait a minute, I might not have enough, and there's going to be tax to that. So he runs down the hallway to his dad, and he said, Dad, how much tax is on a certain amount of money? And, and his dad said, well, that would be so-and-so. And so he runs back to his room, and he doesn't realize his dad has followed him because his dad said, well, what's going on? And, and, and the little boy is getting the money. He's counting it all again. And, and as he counts it, the quarters, the dimes, the nickels, he's stacking them all up on his, on his dresser, and he counts, and he says, just the exact amount of money that he needs to buy the boat back. No more, no less. And the dad says, what have you done? Why did you break your piggy bank? What are you doing? And so the little boy tells him about the boat being found and about it being down there. And his dad said, wait a minute, son. Now, now, now let's think about this just a minute. You're about to take everything you have and go get that boat. Are you sure you want to give everything you have for that boat? Without hesitation, the little boy <laughs> breaks all that money in his pocket and says, absolutely, Dad. And he hurries out the door, and his dad's trying to catch up. So they hurry down the street, and they get to that second-hand store. And the little boy gets there, looks into the window, you know, of the store. And sure enough, there's his boat. He runs inside. He grabs it up before somebody else does, holds it real tight, hurries over to the register, lays all the money down. He, said, he says, that's exactly the amount you need, sir. And, and the man counts it out. And the little boy's in such a hurry, he hurries out the door. And the dad has to reach back for the receipt. Chasing his son down the street, they get to the pond at the, at the park, and they put the boat in the pond, in the water, and the little boy ties the string on. He pulls it really tight this time, and he ties another knot, <laughs> and pulls it again really tight, right? And he says, make sure, I'm not going to lose you this time. 
and he lets go, and the boat sails. Oh, it, it, I know a lot of people say, oh, just take it home. Don't, let, don't, don't risk it getting lost again. But that's not what the boat was created for. And he lets it go, and as it sails out into the middle of the pond, he and his dad are just so excited. The little boy's just jumping up and down and excited. And the father and the son, they're together, rejoice that the boat has been redeemed and is now fulfilling everything it was created to do and to be. I dare you, sometime this week when this sermon hits the podcast and it's up, I dare you to go listen to the story again and think about what Jesus did for you when he redeemed you. Because, you know, just like the little sailboat, you weren't just born. You were crafted, created by the Father. You were created in his image, he says. You were crafted to be. The, the Bible tells us all our members were written when we were in our mother's womb. Our members were written then. God was creating us before we were ever born. So you weren't just born. You were created. But every one of us has experienced, has experienced the, uh, the times where others influence our lives. And they push us away from God, pulling against that, that connection that we have with our Creator. And they influence us to, to, to break free. And, and every one of us has. The Word of God also says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us at one point, we've broken free from that influence of him or that connection that we have him. Sometimes it's because of influence of other things around us, like the little boat had the, the wind. Sometimes it's just something that we just decide on ourselves. And we decided we want to go our own way, and how does that normally work out for us? About the way it did for the little boat. Lost, can't find our way, ending up in a place we weren't really destined to be, we weren't really created to live in. I mean, we wonder why the life of sin is so hard. It's because you weren't created to live in sin. You were created to live in that place, that beautiful place, like that little boat was, that beautiful place. God created you for that. That's why anything outside of that is so difficult. And some of us, we realize that. Some of us, we don't realize it by ourselves, but we have others sometimes help us. We have others. And sometimes God sends those others to help us. And they rescue us. They find us in those places that we weren't created to be. And maybe they help and pick us up out of those places. And they, they, they not just get us out of the muck and the mire or the currents or, or the rapids that are just almost overtaking us, but they also start walking us back to a good place in life. You, you know what I'm talking about? You have good friends that sometimes help you walk back to a good place in life. You have family members like that. You have mentors or pastors, you know, teachers, or someone that help you walk back toward a good place in your life. Just like this little boat found itself in the display window at the store. A good place. A whole lot better than being in the mud down at the bottom of the river, right? But it wasn't where it was destined to be. It wasn't where it was created to be. It wasn't doing the things Oh, I like Jamie's prayer just a few moments ago. I thought she cheated. She looked at my notes when she prayed about, about God, we, you created us for purpose. And just like that little boat, it, that was better than where it had been, but it wasn't what it was created for. It wasn't the purpose it was created for. 
See, there are a lot of people in your life that will help you get to a better place. But until Jesus shows up in your life and you embrace him in your life and you accept him as Savior, until Jesus. You see, because he didn't just get us out of the water, I mean, out of the you know, rapids. Yes, he, he did, but that's not all he did. He didn't just get us out of the mud and, and clean us up a little bit, even though he did. He didn't just walk us back to a nicer place, a better place, a good place, even though he did. He wants to not only do those things, but he wants to get us all the way back into that, that place that he purposes for, that he created you for. You know, and look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. And I know some of you are saying, but you don't, know, you don't know the mud I've been in, Pastor. You don't know the struggles that I've had. You don't know all the stuff that I've done. Nobody could ever forgive me. Especially Jesus. How could Jesus forgive me? How could God the Father forgive me? Jesus, how, how could that? Pastor, you don't know the hurt that I've got in my heart. You don't know the scars. You don't know the way people have treated me. You don't know what, what's been going on in my life all of this time. You don't know. You don't, here's what I do know. First Peter 1, verse 18, 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He didn't just do a little bit. He paid every dime. And on, on the night before he died, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was just like that, that father standing over his son with the busted, with the busted piggy bank said, Are you sure? The father and son in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus died, Jesus was talking to his father, and they were talking, are you sure? Is this the way? And they were talking back and forth about it in his prayer. But Jesus got up from there, and he walked that path anyway, knowing it was going to cost him everything he had. He didn't give a, an offering. He, he didn't reach in his pocket and say, say hey, Father, here's what I'm going to do instead. Let me see if I can buy everybody's sins. He didn't just give an offering. He gave everything he had. He gave up his life. And not, not just a quick death, but a death that took hours and hours of agony to pay the whole. That's what your price was for your sin. As the Word told us, we read it just a few moments ago, he took your sin on himself and took it to the cross so it could die. And it had to go through that. That was the penalty. That was the penalty that had to be paid, and Jesus was willing to pay every single bit of it. Now, now let me say something right here to, to, to us Christians, in case you think I'm just talking to people who don't know Christ this morning. Let me make sure that, that I talk a little bit to everybody right here, okay, in this. Is there a lot of people that are happy just being in the window display? You know, I'm out of that bad place I was I'm cleaned up now. I'm in a better place. I'm not in the darkness. I'm in the light. Oh, this is so much better. And I think what ends up happening is, is we realize people see us, you know, kind of like on a Sunday morning, you know, the display window. You know, here I am. I clean up pretty nice, don't I? Should have seen me late Thursday night, you know, but I'm, I'm, you know, I clean up pretty nice, right? You know, it's Easter Sunday morning, got a new shirt and all that. David tried to make me wear a sweater, but I kind of worked around that, but, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But, you know, I clean up real nice. And I, I, I like that you, you guys look up here, you know, and see me and think, man, you clean up real nice, Pastor. But what people don't see when you're just in the display window is people don't see that hidden part, all those hurts, all that unforgiveness, 
all those scars, all those troubles, all those mistakes, those addictions, those things that I just keep doing, and I I don't want to do them anymore, but I keep doing them. Thank God for grace, but I, I, you know, I wish I could just get all those things, and nobody sees that because we're happy being in a better place than we were. But Jesus didn't die so you could be better. Jesus died so you could have life, abundant and eternal. You want scripture? There it is right there, John chapter 10 and 10. He didn't just die so that you could be better, so you could show up on Sunday morning and everybody could say, look, look out. Man, I remember back when they were in sin, how they used to look. He didn't die so you could look better. He died so you could be better, so that you could have full life, life more abundantly here and now. Not just eternal, but life here and now, abundant life. So that you could, because, you know, if we're just happy with a display window type of Christianity, you know, thank God we're forgiven. Thank God we're headed to heaven and all that. But if we're just happy with that, we're, we're, we're unfulfilled inside. We're still empty. There's an empty place that we, we can't be a part of, and, and we want to ask, ask God, please. And so I encourage you today, you Christians, let me ask you, are you satisfied with that? Are you ready to have it all? Not just forgiveness for one day, but are you ready to have this abundant life? Are you ready to have the life of purpose? That he created you for. Oh, it'd be so easy to just take the take the boat back to to my bedroom and put it up on the shelf next to my new piggy bank, right? Be easier to do that. But that's not what he created you for. He created you for more than you can ever dream. And I dare you to just accept it. Go for it. Open up your mind and open up your heart to everything God wants. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.